Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. My name is John Boccasino. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. We, of course, are a proud member of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel. Check us out by searching for Buffalo Rumblings podcasts on all of your podcasting platforms. We've been doing this podcast since April of 2018, and we are pleased to bring you the latest news from One Bills Drive each and every week. This week, podcast has a bit of a somber tone to it. We are going to talk about the Buffalo Bills debacle that happened at uh, New Era Field uh, in week eight with Buffalo falling 31 to 13 to the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, the game was demoralizing in basically every aspect possible. Buffalo came in hot at five and one, the only loss being to the reigning defending Super Bowl champions. And Buffalo had a great opportunity to prove to all of the doubters and all the haters out there that the Bills belong among the cream of the crop in the AFC and instead against a wounded team in the Eagles that came in off of two straight blowout losses, Buffalo suffers a humiliating loss at home to fall to five and two. The Bills are are still uh, tied for second in the AFC with their five and two record. We will talk about what to take away from the game, what this means for the Bills uh, 2019 season, and you know whether expectations uh, were rightfully uh, in line with where this team should be. Because I think a lot of Bills fans would have taken a five and one mark and now five and two mark uh, through the first seven games of the season, but did. Buffalo getting off to such a hot start raised the stakes and raised expectations to the almost unrealistic level where I heard people talking about the Bills being a Super Bowl contender. That clearly was not the case, at least on Sunday. The Bills still have time to right the ship, but we will talk about expectations for this season, the frustration that Bills fans feel after another loss on the national stage, and we'll also talk about the trade deadline where the Bills stood pat and did not trade away any of their draft picks or uh, part ways with any of their capital to try to get better for the 2019 season. That and more coming up here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. And now we welcome on to the Believe podcast, our co-host Jamie D'Amico joining us here. And Jamie, as we sit here, Buffalo has a 5-2 and two record, which again, we know a lot of Bills fans would gladly have taken you know, before the year started. But it kind of feels like there's a bitter taste in the mouths of a lot of Bills Mafia members. Do you kind of feel the same way after uh, after Sunday's beatdown? For the past few days since the game happened, I, I'm shocked at the number of people who are just incredibly upset about a team that is 5-2. and two. But at the same time, I can understand it because they did not go out there and look like a team with that kind of record. And there's some things to look at as a result of it. 
What do you have in mind? Well, let's start with this. <clears throat> you know, the the frustration factor that Bills fans feel right now. Buffalo is still in second place in the AFC. They are still in control, you know, technically of their own destiny. They have a schedule that is supposed to be pretty soft. They have to take care of their opponents starting with Sunday's game against the Washington Redskins. I don't know. For me personally, I feel like the stakes were raised by Buffalo getting off to such a hot start. When you go 5-1 and one and your only loss is to the defending Super Bowl champions, I know Buffalo fans didn't think I, – I thought the Bills were going to be a 10-win team this year at best-case scenario, and they could potentially win one playoff game. But this was never a year when I thought the Bills are going back to the Super Bowl – I was stunned at how much on social media people were talking about the Bills having a 9-1 record or 10-1 record heading into the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving. And to me, that just shows Bills fans, in my opinion, putting the fanatic in fan where you've got to base it on reality where this is still a flawed team with Josh Allen still very much early on in his developmental progress. I. I think people were really looking at the possibilities for this team after starting off well. Obviously, the Bills are no longer in the lower echelon of the league, and that's something that we've been dying to see for many years. At the same time, I think that people kind of, their expectations were raised up, and they kind of began assuming that this was, in fact, a winning team. And what was shown on Sunday is that the Bills are still very much a middle-of-the-pack team, but it's easy to want them to be better than that. I agree with you that what we were looking for in this season is Josh Allen's development, as well as some of the other young players like Tremaine Edmonds and you know seeing the gelling of the offensive line, of which is you know 80% new this year. But when it comes down to it, um, the the Bills went up against an Eagles team that is very talented, and frankly, if you go position by position, they have more talent on that roster. Now, I think the way in which the Bills lost is really contributing a lot. But if you look at it, it's not it's not unexpected because the wins that the Bills got this year were against teams with losing records, but they weren't blowing anybody out. And if you were if you're taking into account the way the Bills won those games versus uh, the way they lost this game, it it doesn't look like it's that out of character. Now, granted, they played the Patriots very tough, and there's an argument to be made that they should have won that game. But pump the brakes if you're really angry about this loss. I I don't like that. I don't like that the Eagles hung up 31 points, but at the same time, eh. The Eagles have a 4-4 four and four record, but they are a really good team. They just had injury problems earlier in the year. Yeah, I feel like um, <clears throat> the Bills in, in all of their in their 5-1 start, I believe only one of the games did Buffalo not have to rally in the fourth quarter to, uh, to pull out the victory. And, you know, if the score had been a six-point or a one-possession, you know, loss for Buffalo, I think you'd be feeling – a little better about this. I think we'd be saying, all right, the Eagles were a team that you know was lauded uh, when the season started as being one of the deepest teams in the league. And on paper, they have a really solid defensive front and they have an offensive line that was missing some pieces, but you know was still pretty solid and pretty stout. And they have Carson Wentz, who can be a perennial MVP candidate. And they have some weapons uh, on the offensive side of the ball. 
I guess it was just more the fact that the way Buffalo lost this game where after Devin Singletary's uh, touchdown, um, the second touchdown, Buffalo ran 22 plays for 30 yards and 16 of those came on the very last offensive snap that Buffalo had true garbage time. So I guess it's, let's start with the offense. What, what happened? Um, I, I put a lot of the blame to be honest with you, Jamie, on Brian Dill and his play calling, because I feel like he didn't necessarily do Josh Allen and the offense any favors. I would have liked to see much more Devin Singletary. I would have liked to see much more of letting you know Josh Allen try to see the game and, and dictate the plays. It almost seemed like Brian Dable put handcuffs on this offense. What do you think? It's very difficult not to place some blame on on the offensive coordinator. You were looking at a, a game that was being played in very blustery conditions, not cold, but very windy conditions, I should say. And it was the kind of game where it, it's wet, it's uncomfortable out there. You know better than most because you were sitting in the end zone uh, for that game. That was the kind of day where running the ball seems to be the key. And you saw in a number of the deeper throws that the the wind, even when it was at the their backs, Josh Allen was throwing the ball and the ball was getting knocked down by the wind, specifically a the deep attempt to Robert Foster. You could tell that that ball just died. And both Foster and Josh Allen looked very confused by that. So it kind of gets back to the question, is Brian Dable putting Josh Allen in the best position to be effective? And I, I think that there are some questions that arise. You can look at that game plan. You can look at the number of times that Josh Allen runs the ball himself. Now, Josh Allen is a great weapon with the ball in his hands when he's running because he's a big guy. He's fast. He can catch the defense on their heels. But at the same time, you know, you saw that the Eagles were putting a spy out on Allen. And, you know, that's that's not the kind of thing I necessarily want to see is my young quarterback taking more hits than or what than what is necessary. I'd like to see them pick their spots better when it comes to Allen handling the ball himself on the quarterback keepers. And, you know, beyond that, when certain things aren't going your way, you're having a hard time getting the ball down the field, even though that was in your game plan, where are the screen passes? I'd like to see Dable take a look at that. And also something I called for before the game, spread out the receivers before you run the ball. Try to get some, some of the defenders outside of the box and see if you're going to be effective that way. Look, I'm <clears throat> Jamie, I'm all for the element of surprise. And maybe Brian Dable thought he could try to capitalize. We've all heard the the cliche that Josh Allen was drafted by Buffalo because he can be a bad weather quarterback and he can succeed in gusting winds and less than stellar inclement weather out there on the field. You're right. It was it was miserable as far as having a twenty to thirty mile an hour wind gusts. Temperatures were in the low 60s, so it wasn't freezing, but it was definitely swirling winds happening at the stadium. Buffalo actually ran the ball very well when they committed to the run. They averaged almost five yards a carry on 20 runs. Josh Allen was the leading rusher. Devin Singletary ran only three times, and Frank Gore did struggle a little bit to get going, but there was a period where we're in the third quarter here. Buffalo was down 17-13 to 13 after getting 
a beautiful touchdown pass to Devin Singletary from Josh Allen. Stephen Hauschka uncharacteristically had the extra point blocked, and then Buffalo forces a fumble on a punt and gets the ball deep in Philly territory at the 43. Frank Gore gets two pretty decent runs, 14 yards. He seems to get back on track, but then Dable decides to take it to the air. And, uh, you know, Josh didn't throw any interceptions on the game, but you could just tell that he wasn't comfortable enough with the conditions and with the way things were setting up for him with the defense to complete those passes. So I just don't know why the Bills went away from the run, especially at that point where they still had a chance to get in the game and and, and take the lead, you know, having the ball at the Philadelphia 29-yard line. I hope that the Bills come out on Sunday against a Washington defense that surrenders a ton of rushing yards. I believe they're the second worst rushing defense in the league. If I'm Brian Dable, I am pounding Frank Gore. I am pounding Devin Singletary. I'm letting Josh Allen do his design quarterback runs and seeing what Buffalo can do against a very vulnerable Washington defense. To me, I think that's the reason why I'm more frustrated than anything with how Buffalo played in week eight is the fact that in spite of all of this, um, opportunity. This was a major opportunity for the Bills. It was a chance to show the narrative of them beating up on the weaklings of the NFL was not true. And instead, against their first quality opponent since the Patriots game, Buffalo lays an egg. So I think to me, Jamie, that's the biggest you know, disappointment for me. Now, again, the Bills have a historically bad schedule the rest of the way. Their final uh, nine games of the season. They still have to go out there and play and beat the teams in front of them, but there's still an opportunity to go out and and prove that Buffalo can really be a playoff team. I think everything still sits there well for them to make the playoffs, but for me, the defense, let's turn to that for a second because Philadelphia ran roughshod. They dominated the Bills. They pushed them around everywhere. Star Latule was nowhere to be seen. Trent Murphy put his face on a milk carton because he has been AWOL for most of the season, and he's getting a lot of Terry Pagula's money. Uh, so the Bills' defensive line did not have themselves a banner day. Matt Milano returned from his injury from the hamstring and was very ineffective, uh, in my opinion. Tremaine Edmonds as well, too, did not have a, a solid performance in any way, shape, or form as Buffalo's quarterback of the defense. So, you know, spinning forward, I guess, let's talk about this, Jamie, with the defense and with their failures that we talked about. This unit had been lauded for being the strength of the Bills. How concerned are you moving forward with the defense? Was this a one-game anomaly, or is there more to be worried about? The concern for me has been growing as I've been watching the run defense get worse and worse as the year has gone on. Um, It seems that the loss of Harrison Phillips has affected them a lot more than what was expected. And like you said, Starr has been missing himself in in addition to Trent Murphy, but Starr has been missing from most games. Now, I read an All-22 review by Joe Buscalia today where he was actually showing that Star Latulele actually had a pretty good game, actually having really good gap integrity and control and not getting pushed back too often off of his blocks. That said, he may have done okay with that, but the rest of the defense didn't, and they went up against a good offensive line, a very good offensive line, which they're going to see again in a few weeks when they go down to Dallas. Now, is the defensive line not physical enough? Are the linebackers getting themselves out of position? It looks like the answer to those questions is yes. The Bills have been successful because they've been very quick to make plays and quick to the ball 
gang tackling is something that we're seeing quite a bit of, and that's something that I always enjoy seeing. But I am concerned because it seems like the more physical offensive lines are kind of having their way with the Bills' defensive line, and that's just not a recipe for winning. As much as this is a passing league, you've got to be able to stop the run. You can't have a a, a glaring weakness. Now, can Buffalo do something different? I, I think they can. There's there's ways of getting around that. This is a team that doesn't blitz much. It likes dropping their, uh, their second-level players, the linebackers, into coverage. You can stop the run with numbers, and I'd like to see what they can do if they start having a hard time in the future bringing some safeties in the box and you know, letting the coverage guys do their thing out there. It's always not lost here, but there is reason for concern. And I'm sure the coaches are you know, banging their heads against the wall trying to figure out how to scheme it up so that their players are in the best position to make plays. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You know, you mentioned uh, <clears throat> Joe Biscalia's All-22 review. I want to give our own Scarecrow some credit. He did a great All-22 analysis on BuffaloRumblings.com talking about the Bills' rug defense versus the Eagles. And he does highlight, like you mentioned, Jamie, that Star didn't have – Star. I think Star should have had a better game. But the the stats out here, the, the video plays, the gifs that he highlights shows that it wasn't totally Star's fault. It was just basically the Eagles, every time they tried to run the ball, it seemed like their offensive linemen were in the right place at the right time, and the Bills were in the wrong place at the wrong time. There was a play where you know Matt Milano blows up a play – it was the first play of the third quarter, essentially. Miles Sanders goes 65 yards to the house, and Milano had great presenta- uh, great presence. He blows up the line, but Micah Hyde and Tremaine Edmonds both get slowed down by their own players, and Sanders takes the play 65 yards to the house. I feel like it was an anomaly versus a trend. Uh, you know, one of the things that one of the places where Buffalo has had a hard time on defense has been in the recognition of plays. And one of the things that was mentioned is that the Eagles were really good at sort of disguising their plays. Everything was kind of looking similar until the play would unfold a little bit. That's something that's going to come with time. You know, if you think about early last season, Tremaine Edmonds was actually pretty slow in his recognition and he's getting much better at that. I don't want to say that, you know, our expectations have to be lower of him because he's only 21 years old at this point. He's a professional, so he needs to be good at these things, but he is improving. 
So I think as the defensive players mature a little bit and, you know, let's face it, this is not a finished product that we're seeing. We're still going to see some more good athletes brought in via free agency and the draft. And, you know, there's going to be more playmakers brought in and you're going to start seeing just the natural athletic ability of these guys take over when they can get out of their heads a little bit. Uh, That said, it didn't look like the Bills were doing too badly when it came to covering the tight ends, which we were all very concerned about. And, you know, not to get too deep into this, this game against the Eagles specifically, but the Bills are showing some excellent ability to cover receivers downfield, both tight ends and receivers. And I'm feeling enthused about that because, like I said, you don't win without stopping the run, but it is a passing league at this point. So there's reasons to look upward when when you consider the secondary and the linebackers dropping into coverage. Yeah, let's hope, Jamie, that the uh, the, the front four and the linebackers can disengage and get off their bus a little quicker uh, moving forward because you, know, you have to factor in the, the Eagles with their run game. When they had a lead, they were committed to running the ball. I believe they had 13 more minutes of possession time, which meant that the defense was out there longer and getting worn down by a decent offensive line. And you're right, there is a silver lining in the way that – Tredavious White and Levi Wallace and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer played in the secondary. I'm a little concerned that Dean Marlowe continues to get a lot of reps uh, as the third safety on this team, which kind of leads to a segue for us. You mentioned talent and players coming in. The Bills had an opportunity, as did the rest of the league, to add to their team uh, during Tuesday's uh, trade deadline, which ended at 4 p.m., there was very little noise, very little trades made throughout the league. The Bills decided to stand. They didn't trade away any of their draft picks. They didn't mess with any of their younger players. And Brandon Bean sent a message that, hey, this team that we have here is who we're going to ride with until the end of the season. And Buffalo sitting at 5-2 and two again is in a pretty good position. But there was a lot of people on media clamoring for basically an all-in trade and thinking that the Bills were one player away from being a serious Super Bowl contender. And I have major issues with that. We all know that Twitter is a great place to overreact and your armchair quarterbacks get out there. Look, this Bills team has been fun so far being 5-1. and one. I'm not saying just to enjoy the ride and see what happens. I think that I, now that the Bills are 5-2, and two, the expectations have been raised, but there's no way, shape, or form I really wanted Brandon Bean to make one of those transitive trades where he trades away the house to go and get a Le'Veon Bell or a Melvin Gordon or even an A.J. Green as a one-year rental. If anything, I would have loved to see them attack and get another one-tech guy for the defensive line because Kyle Pecco is just not cutting it, and this team is really missing the loss of Harrison Phillips and his ACL injury. But, you know, I'm fine with the fact that Buffalo stood pat at the trade deadline. What were your thoughts on the inactivity from Buffalo? I think that the Bills are trying to make the playoffs, but I think that you can attribute their lack of movement in, at the trade deadline to self-scouting. People were beginning to think that this was going to be a 12-win team, and I just don't think that was realistic. I think that inside one Bills drive, they know that this is probably an 8-10 to win team at best and a wild card team. And when that's what you are, you don't want to give up your capital because you're not you're not on the cusp of doing something great. You're you're not going to win 12, 14 games this year. Just it's, it's not happening. You've got too much development that needs to go on within the existing players on the roster. And frankly, I, I think not making a move was the way to go. 
Now, it seems that the sellers in the league were probably asking for too much because there was pretty much nothing that happened. I mean, this trade deadline really landed with a thud. There were just very, there were very few moves of, of consequence. And where the Bills are right now with this this feeling of fraternity that they seem to have on the roster, I think bringing in the wrong personality would have been destructive. I like where they are. I think any any moves that they're going to make, it needed to be in the offseason. Because if they're not going to if they're not going to win 12 to 14 games, live with the playoffs as it is, if they get in, which I'm assuming that they will, but shoot for those 10 wins, get into the playoffs, get the team some experience, and see what you can bring to the table next year. I think they're a year away. And when you're still a year away, you don't give up draft capital. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, in this league, and we know how much Brandon Bean covets those draft picks. He's also going to have a nice arsenal of $90 million in cap space projected for the 2020 season, which means he can go out there through free agency and add a player or two. But I don't know if he will make a huge, sexy splash because Brandon Bean from day one has really said that he build this team up through the draft and with a few acquisitions. So the Bills were never going to go there and land, you know, an Emmanuel Sanders or an AJ Green or a Melvin Gordon or a Jamal Adams. I hear Jamal Adams' price tag was through the roof. I, color me among the people that thought Buffalo, if they were to make a move, it would have been for a depth piece. It would have been to add to some weaknesses, maybe address the linebacking room, get some more depth behind the starting three, uh, maybe replace Julian Stanford or Maurice Alexander. Maybe they would go after a one technique guy on defensive line, but I did not see them making a, a splashy move that would be the missing piece to get the Bills to the Super Bowl. Because again, this is year two of Josh Allen. This is his first full year as a starting quarterback. And the Bills have done him a favor by surrounding him with weapons on offense, giving him some playmakers with John Brown and Colesley, chief amongst them, and improving the offensive line. And they're trusting Josh to make that progress in his maturation as a franchise quarterback. This was not the year to go all in and try to get the Bills over the hump and color me among those who was very happy that Buffalo did not break the bank on a sexy trade at the trade deadline. Now, um, I could see a lot of Bills fans calling out for, you know, the sky is falling, depending on how the next couple of games go. You know, if that five and one record turns into seven and four, seven and five, especially with the caliber of opponents up next before that final brutal five game stretch to close off the year. But I think Buffalo is in a good position. And you're right, Jamie, they are a playoff team. They should make the playoffs. Let's be happy with that and not reach the future to make a move. I don't think the Bills are going to get over the hump of the Chiefs or the Patriots in the AFC. So why throw away all that valuable to try to make a run at something that's not going to happen in the end of the day? As Ed McMahon would have said, you are correct, sir. Whoa, that's a reversal from last week when you uh, you correctly called me uh, stupid for saying this was not going to be a, a more than one score game. I applaud you for your your vision out there and your prophecy of, of predicting that the Bills were going to lose by by more than one score. Of course, it was a uh, it was all fun last week, and of course, we've had a good time here talking about the Buffalo Bills and recapping what happened uh, in Week Eight and talking about the trade deadline. I think that's going to pretty much about do it here for our podcast. We, of course, at Bill Leave, thank you for listening to our podcast. You can get in touch with us on social media at Buff Rumblings. Jamie D'Amico is at the 
Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. We will be back later on this week giving you a full preview of Washington coming to town Sunday in Week 9. The Bills hoping to get their sixth win of the year. For my colleague Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino, signing off on Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.